welcome to the Career Glow Podcast, where we empower and inspire every girl to radiate with confidence and grace in their professional lives while keeping God at the center. In this podcast, we aim to guide you on your journey of fighting off feelings of imposter syndrome. So if that's something that you've experienced or may experience in the future, uh, we have some insight for you. So grab your favorite cup of coffee and a notebook and let's get ready to glow. Hey, Ashley. Hello. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. It was so awesome this week or this past week, Ashley and I got to see each other. She was in San Diego for a conference from work. So I'm sure you're well rested now and got to enjoy the weekend. But do you want to share any fun things that happened from the conference? Yeah, it was super fun. So with my whole extended team and we did a team hike together, which was really fun in La Jolla. And we did some art projects. We painted rocks. Oh, <laughs> at the beach? No, this is <laughs> the next day. Oh, okay. uh, we painted rocks. We did some like group brainstorming activities. So yeah, it was really fun. Um, I'm definitely like socialed out. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, I don't really. I'm done talking to people for the rest of the week, but it was good. Yeah, it's funny because once you told me things you did, I went back to work and let them know what it looks like to be in corporate and everyone was just <laughs> freaking out. They're like, oh my gosh, they got to hike Tory Pines. They got to go to the Marine Room for dinner. Like none of us have yeah. even been there before, but it's all over Instagram. So <laughs> if you all are going to San Diego, you should check out that for dinner. Yeah, it was awesome. That's so cool. But we are going to kick it off right away, jumping into imposter syndrome. So um, I wanted to share a little bit about what it represents or what it might look like um, so you can help identify it a little bit in your life. But it's um, typically a feeling that you're not good enough, which does tend to arise in like a high pressure or stressful setting. So an example of this could be maybe a student feeling out of place when they're at school, um, even though their test scores are pretty close or similar to what their peers got. Um, Friends who might be feeling undeserving of acceptance, um, maybe an employee who doesn't think they deserve a raise or a promotion, even though they put in the same amount of effort or work of someone that is getting a similar promotion. Um, And then also one, this one kind of Um, felt close to home, but responding negatively to others' positive feedback. Um, If that's kind of something that you've noticed in yourself, that can also be detrimental to relationships as when someone's giving you a compliment, that is a great opportunity to connect with them and just say thank you and move on. So I'm sure it's something that most people have experienced. Um, Pretty common, definitely in females, but um, is this an area that you've struggled in, Ashley, in your life, whether that's school, work, or a personal setting? Yes, especially when I was younger. Like, even as a kid, I remember in high school, I moved my junior year, and the first day I went to the school, people were asking me if I was a substitute. And I was like, no, I'm a student. <laughs> like my my outfit obviously wasn't like what the students were wearing. And when I was younger, like people always said I look older. And now yeah. I feel like people think I'm, I don't know. They always thought I looked older. And so 
that was like, okay, I don't obviously don't fit in here. Um, like I tried to go to the bathroom to eat my lunch alone. Oh no. <laughs> I I like I fit in. Luckily, uh, someone came and invited me over, but yeah, a hundred percent with the just feeling like you don't belong. I also remember when I switched to this school, I was in AP history class and I went there on the first day and we had a test from the like, uh, reading that we had to do over the summer. And I just remember like looking at the test and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so hard. And the first day I felt completely overwhelmed and like not smart enough to be there. So right after that class, I went and I dropped the class to just do regular history. And I found out later that I got a hundred percent on the test and it was a curved <laughs> test. No one else got a hundred. They all got like B's and C's. And so I messed up the like curving for everyone. But <laughs> so people didn't like me. I was new and I totally messed up their grade already. But I think I realized in that moment, like, okay, I might be a little bit smarter than I was giving myself credit for. So mm-hmm. yeah, I feel like I, I felt that a, a ton, even at work for starting at Amazon, I totally felt stupid. Like those same feelings from high school of just feeling like, okay, I don't know what's going on. I'm not good enough to be here. I don't fit in. Like those were things that I've definitely struggled with a lot. One thing in the last year or so I've learned is it's not necessarily bad to feel like an imposter. It's just what are you doing with those feelings? Because even as a Christian, like there's going to be times where we don't fit in and that's actually a good thing, right? Like if we're following the word of God, it says we're going to be transformed. We're going to be set apart. We're not going to be like everyone else. So it can be good to feel like you don't necessarily fit in, but it's when we start believing that because we feel like an imposter, we're unworthy. Or if we let the enemy start to speak lies that we're stupid or not good enough. So I think it's really hard to figure out like, is me feeling like an imposter just like signifying that I'm growing or signifying that maybe I'm following the word of God and letting that be a little bit uncomfortable, but not falling into the belief of like, I'm stupid or I'm not good enough. So it's really hard to kind of find that balance because if we don't, learn how to manage those feelings when something's new. It can kind of turn into a pity party or we put ourselves into a box and we fall into this negative cycle, which I think you're going to talk about a little bit. Yeah. No, I th- I think that's so good. Uh, when you talked about like imposter syndrome, it makes you feel like terrible in the moment, but you point out that it's actually so good for your growth. Mm-hmm. And it's just like important to stick it out and see that because – um, like the A push example, which is so funny because I also dropped A push in high school because <laughs> I thought I did horrible on the first test. Like same thing, I feel like I got like a forty or fifty, and then also didn't realize that they were gonna give a huge curve. Which if that's like the case, then there's something wrong with that class. If that's yeah. like, so consistent, if we both did that, that's yeah. Hilarious. But I definitely did not end with a hundred like Ashley did. So <laughs> I might have known the result before uh, you know dropping. But anyways, <laughs> like even for that, like don't let how you're feeling in the moment or an assumption about that end result take over the reality of the situation. So um, again, it's so good to grow and yeah, imposter syndrome does not feel great, but stick to like who you are and what you're, what you're after. 
And just to touch on that, like the part about imposter syndrome does not feel great. That's exactly like when you're growing, if you're in the gym, you're working out those muscles, like it does not feel great in the moment, but you're doing it because you realize it's going to make you better. Like that's the same. Like when you're feeling like imposter, think of it like that. This is just a workout (laughs) to help me in whatever season that I'm in, that I'm just growing this muscle so that I'm going to be able to perform at a higher level later. Yeah. Like you just ultimately just start somewhere and then- The progress piece is so important to eventually get to where you're trying to go. So we're going to talk a little bit about the imposter syndrome cycle. So the first piece is people are overworking to overcompensate for a fear of being discovered as a fraud. So Ashley kind of highlighted that in her example. Um, This then leads to like really great performance in the moment, but it only gives someone a temporary feeling of relief. And then the cycle starts itself over as that person starts to feel like a fraud again and it's not sustainable. And so I can kind of relate to this in my current role. Um, So I got like a new promotion, but it was in like a building that I wasn't um, as familiar with as my previous one. I was with a brand new team. I had a lot to learn, not only about the building, about the people, but also about the process And I felt super clueless because my entire team knew everything about the process and I didn't. And for me, it's super weird trying to lead people when you don't even know what you're talking about at first. So that kind of causes you to feel like a fraud. And then, um, you know, you try and still meet the performance goals, like for people that are high performers and do want to do a good job, as we've talked about before. Um, that can cause us to like overwork ourselves. So for myself in that role, I put in a lot of hours to try and fix the opportunities our department had and learn everything I could, but it's only going to last so long um, because it's going to take time and progress like we talked about to really get uh, better results. Um, so a lot of times the causes of imposter syndrome are the culture, Um, the environment. And then I think a big one is sometimes family dynamic. And they're typically discovered in high conscientiousness. Um, So I think we talked about that in like the DISC model, as well as people who are tending to be perfectionists. Um, So if we dive into like the family dynamic pattern specifically for like a woman's experience, Um, it typically will fall into these two groups. So one is if you grow up with a sibling or a close relative who's deemed the intelligent one, or if you come from a family that um, praise, you know, yourself or your um, siblings for almost everything that you do. Um, One of the studies that I read, they had the woman go out into the world after um, going through either one or two and realized that they were not good at everything and began to question messages from their families in these um, specific examples. So um, are you able to pinpoint what factors actually led to your development of imposter syndrome, maybe during a specific time of your life and kind of walk us through how you saw that arise in your life? Yeah, I think to be perfectly honest, I never really felt smart growing up. Like, especially in high school, but even younger, just moving around a lot. I felt like I missed certain things. Or I remember when I first came, I think I was in fourth or fifth grade. I first came 
to California from Washington. And I'm just going to say like the California school system is a different beast than uh, Washington, like Spokane, Spokompton, where I'm from. So I went from like, just the education wasn't as good. And being put into like Southern California, a public school, I just felt like so stupid and so behind. And then feeling like, okay, I have so much to catch up on. Like I'm not, I'm not at where am I peers are that I was with. But then my mom like always would talk to me about the verse that's I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And so I started to kind of say like, okay, I, I might not be the smartest person in the room, but like Christ is going to help me get to where I need to go. So then I started to really just work harder than I feel like other people were working. And then maybe I went too far with that. So that's kind of where the negative side came, where I was like, I can put in all this effort to be or feel as good as someone else. So I don't know if that might be part of it. Um, I definitely also can pinpoint just always feeling like I was supposed to be a good girl, like my family, it was like obedience is number one. Like I was always (laughs) obedient. Uh And so I kind of felt like my worth was tied to um, being a good girl or like doing what I needed to do. And then also feeling like that affirmation would come from my family when I did great things. So it's like, okay, I'm going to go out and get a great grade so that I can get that affirmation at home. Yeah. And the verse, is that Philippians 4.13? Yes. Yeah. I remember in high school, I love that one too. Yeah, it's Such a good one. one. I love that your mom reminded you of that. Um, yeah, I think mine, I would say mine fell more into the category of like growing up with a sibling who was in, like deemed the intelligent one. Um, by all means, like my family was not um, saying that I wasn't like intelligent or anything, but I think having a sister that's 13 months older than you that like never got a B in her life. Um, And that was like very naturally like gifted when it came to taking tests and um, learning and just like getting good grades. I think I strived for that and that wasn't my reality. Like I definitely got B's in high school and then I got maybe a couple C's in college. And like, I think when you're comparing yourself to that, thinking that you have to get all A's to be the most intelligent or to, to be the best you can be like, which yes, like I would love to get all A's and everything. But like the reality is you can still be successful if you have like a hard work ethic and um, your life can still go down a good path. So I think like maybe for me, like when I tried to think back, like maybe like where this would have stemmed from, and that's kind of what I pinpoint to, but doesn't mean like my family was doing something wrong. It just I think myself, I I thought that getting all A's was the thing I had to do to be intelligent. And then when you don't achieve that, you start to get that um, imposter syndrome. And I think a lot of those same feelings, like in high school, where we're tying our worth to a grade, is stuff we take with us to the workforce. Mm -hmm. So if you were one of those kids who felt like, okay, I'm great when my grades are great, you probably also think, I'm great when I'm doing a great job at my job. Right. Oh, yeah. So true. Um, And there's a lot of impacts of imposter syndrome. It can cause us to not move forward if we are so discouraged to the point where we aren't interested in progress and just starting where we're at. Um, You might prevent yourself from even being able to improve or change. 
um, and might impact you from taking risks, putting yourself out there more. And again, this is probably where it's revealing in itself the most. And that's in the workplace, as Ashley mentioned. Um, so some examples of this are maybe you are prepared for a conversation at work in a group setting and you did your research about something, but you hold back and you don't contribute. Um, maybe if you're a female in like a big room with mainly males and it's a stressful situation, you might be questioning if you belong. Um, and then also if you have fear of needing to continue or to achieve, you might set the bar for success even higher than where it needs to be. And I think like, I often see that for myself in the workplace, thinking that how I'm performing isn't even where it needs to be to be meeting the bar. So um, just things that uh, kind of how it can reveal itself for us in the workplace. But Ashley, can you share where you see the impact the most when you experience imposter syndrome and how it reveals itself to you in the workplace? Yeah, I think I've done a lot better now. Um, but when I first started working, I think I often had like all these great ideas. I love like I ideas, like different business plans, right? So I had all these great ideas of how we could innovate or do better things. But I was so afraid to like act on them that I would just give my ideas to other people because I didn't want to like say a stupid idea or I didn't want to try an idea and it didn't work out. And so I would just like give people my ideas because I didn't feel like I was good enough or strong enough to own it on my own. Like one example is when we were working in the warehouse a long, long time ago, um, I had this idea of having some sort of like scan for people when a fire drill would go off or we had an emergency situation. So you'd be able to scan people because how we used to do it is just like print out a piece of paper, which mm -hmm. took forever and go through the list. And I'm like, I have 200 employees. Like, how am I going to be able to go through the list? And I remember we did a fire drill and I was trying to like go through all the, the list and it was just like way too difficult. And then I had, um, an, an associate who I was like, I'm pretty sure he's missing. I haven't seen him. I just had this like mother gut feeling like he wasn't there. And I asked my like assistants that were helping me and they're like, no, like we already crossed him off. Anyways, he wasn't crossed off. Like they had miscrossed him off. He was actually still out in the building. He had his headphones in so he didn't hear the fire alarm going off. Um, luckily, this was just like a practice, right? But if this would have been a real thing, that's on me that I didn't have someone. So anyways, I had this idea of just scanning, but I was so scared to tell anyone because I didn't know like if that would be stupid or if it wasn't going to be a good idea. Um, I found out like three years later that someone else had actually implemented it. But I was like, you know what? I could have saved a lot of emergency situations if I would have just kind of gotten over myself and was bold enough to say something. So I think part of imposter syndrome is saying, I'm going for it anyways. Like, I don't feel good enough to do this, but I'm going to do it anyways. I don't want to do this because I'm scared, but I'm going to step forward and do it anyways. That's what courage is. It's not necessarily the absence of fear, but it's being able to step forward and do it anyways. Yeah. And I think that just highlights a reminder to not put perfection of like having everything written out of your idea and have, you know, your um, like business plan set up to be able to move forward. So don't put the perfection of a progress, just start somewhere. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but ways you can work to combat imposter syndrome is one, accepting positive feedback. I think we highlighted at the beginning, sometimes you can see imposter syndrome come up when someone's giving you a compliment and you don't say thank you, you kind of shut it down. Um, learn to accept positive feedback because that's just going to improve how you look at yourself and your self-worth. Um, and then also record that positive feedback. So that way, when you're going through a patch of imposter syndrome, you can remind yourselves um, of that positive self-talk and what coworkers or friends or family members have said to you. Um, I think those are really important. I know I keep like all my cards. Ashley's given me many cards over the year and I love them. <laughs> I keep all of those. I keep lots of birthday cards or just like letters from parents and friends. And I think it's really nice to look back on um, if you ever need that reassurance. I also think combating it through positive self-promotion is really important. So it's not something that typically comes easy for a lot of females, but maybe challenge yourself at work to try and do that once a week, whether that's documenting what you've done for the month um, and sharing that with your boss, or even just saying something that you accomplished maybe outside of work to coworkers, um, just get in the habit of practicing that. And then finally um, also leave your comfort zone more. So doesn't have to be like you leaving a job that you're not happy in, but challenging yourself when you have that idea to act upon it, to start somewhere. Um, it's better for you to put a step forward than not move at all. I would add one other thing to this too, just about like understanding your self-talk kind of under the like positive self-promotion, but just really listening to how you're talking to yourself when you don't want to raise your hand, like what are those thoughts going on in your mind and try to reframe them as much as you can to be positive. So this is not necessarily lying to yourself, but it's just changing like, oh, I'm stupid. I'm not going to fit into, okay, I'm learning today. I'm getting better, right? So you don't need to lie and say, I got this. Like I totally understand everything, but you can change that to I'm growing. I'm working on this. I'm getting better. I'm doing better. Yeah, and the beauty of that is the more that you work towards it, the more comfortable you're going to be. Mm-hmm. And it's going to turn into maybe one of your strengths, whereas before it was something that you had a lot of opportunity or like nervousness in. Um, Ashley, any other tips you have on overcoming imposter syndrome? Yeah, embrace it, right? It sounds – imposter syndrome sounds like some sort of disease that you can get, uh, but <laughs> – I uh, just want to say like it's important to embrace it because if you feel like an imposter, it's probably a sign that you are doing something great. Like you might feel like an imposter because you're the only girl in the room. That's amazing. Like you should celebrate that. And yeah, it's going to be uncomfortable, but you're paving a way for other people. Or if you feel like you're an imposter because you're the first one in your family to go to college, embrace it. That's incredible, right? So I think it's important to say, what I'm feeling is just a feeling, but I am making a way. I'm growing. I'm getting better. This is just an opportunity to really show your courage for not only yourself, but also for others that might be in that situation in the future. I love that. Any advice that you have uh, for the audience in terms of why we should live our lives without imposter syndrome or where they can look in scripture during challenging times when they're going through this? Yeah, I think I love the verse I talked about earlier, but Philippians 4.13 that says I can do all things through him who gives me strength or who through Christ who strengthens me, whatever version you're reading. Uh, 
I think that's a great one to really lean into because it talks about him giving you strength in the season that you're in. And if you read like 10, 11, and 12 before that, it talks about like him giving you plenty in the season that you're in, whether fed or hungry, wherever you're in. So if you think about that in your work life, that he's going to give you the strength in whatever season that you're in. If you're brand new, if you're tenured, whatever your season that you're in, he's going to give you the strength to move forward and help equip you with what you need. So just trusting God, even if you feel like you're not enough, even if you feel like you can't keep up, like just trusting that God's going to give you the strength to get through it. Love that. And to um, recognize when you're experiencing it and what it represents, um, just remind yourself to accept positive feedback record it for times when you need it as a reminder and use positive self-promotion um, to make sure that you are accepting the compliments that you're receiving and to ultimately get out of your comfort zone a bit more. So we just want to say thank you so much for joining us this week as we talked through imposter syndrome and we are excited to um, see you all next week. <laughs>